Right, fine. <laughs> oh, it's lovely, lovely, lovely to be with you. And my heart, just when I pulled up and heard real voices singing to God coming from this place, I just felt so excited. And actually, one of the verses that I'm going to share today is about Pentecost, and it's about the disciples being in the upper room. And it says that people nearby heard the noise coming and were curious. So they came, they were like, what's going on in there? And I, just as we were singing, I was praying, God, Make the people of Waterlooville curious, curious about the sound of what's going on in here and let them come and let them find their home in this house. And um, I just love that. Stuart and I moved to, to Portsmouth many, many years ago now, like Sandy said, 25 years ago. The church in Portsmouth at that time was less than a year old. It was a church plant. We both had been at Bible school and had been asked to come by Pastor Andy, we both tried to say no. <laughs> That's the truth. We both were asked, do you want to come and um, plant a church in Portsmouth? We're like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> um, but God had a different plan. And um, do you know what? Portsmouth, for me, and the surrounding areas, but Portsmouth is home. It's where we found our place. It's where we found what we're called to do. It's where we're raising our family, and we just absolutely love it. And we love church. Um, I love coming here. Stuart and I, when we come together, usually it's him speaking. Um, but we love coming here and being a part of what you're doing because there's something in it that's like makes me just feel like a pioneer. And actually, we're here, we're doing something fresh and new. And every single one of you that's in the room today, I believe, are called to be a part of that. Every person, that the children's team that's out there, the children that are involved, actually you're called to be a part of that. And that is so powerful and it's so exciting. There was about 15 people when I first came to Portsmouth. You know, barely anybody in our, in our little, actually big hall with us there. And I remember just praying and asking God, just let people come. Let the people in our community come and hear about who you are. And, um, and he's been faithful. He heard that prayer. He answered. And we look at, we've constantly got space problems now in Portsmouth in terms of being able to fit people in. So God, God hears and he answers, doesn't he? So we're talking about prayer. I think that we, um, if we looked around this room and looked at each other and thought about our um, journey with prayer, we probably have all been at different places at different times. There's been times when it's been really good. Prayer life's doing well. There's been times when, oh, I've been a bit silent, been giving God the silent treatment. There's been times when we've um, probably been at all different stages. And I just believe that as we start this series, that God's going to take us on a journey with it. You know, if our hearts are open regarding it, you might feel like, I've got prayer nailed like, I am a good prayer. And, um, but actually, that God's just going to take us to a different place. He's going to highlight different things for us in this season. And there's something about us all doing this. So all the congregations of Family Church, we're doing this together. Um, we're on this journey together. And we're going to think about prayer, what it is, what it means to us, how we can do better, how we can get the most out of prayer, and, um, and see where God takes us. And that's exciting, isn't it? So if you've got open hearts today... Yeah. 
Brilliant. Let's just pray. Father, we just commit this time to you. We commit um, every word that I speak today. I'm a vessel for you, God, and I ask you to speak through me. And I pray that every person would go away with something that you say to them today. That actually we would not just be those that hear your words, but we'd be those that hear it, take it to heart, and we walk it out. We put it into practice. So we just commit every part of this series and our prayer lives to you. And ask you just to inspire us by your Holy Spirit, to challenge us, and to take us to where we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so the verses that were mentioned last week by Pastor Andy are two key verses. And I reckon by the end of this series, we should know them off by heart. So it says that my house, it's Matthew 21 verse 13, it says, My house will be called a house of prayer. And then the second verse is from 1 Chronicles 7, verse 14. It says, and my people, that's you, that's me, my people who are called by my name, if they would humble themselves and pray, if they would seek, and the Amplified Bible, I've just been into the Amplified again a bit recently. It just brings a bit more out of some of the words. Um, It says, if they crave, if they require as a necessity, my face Actually, if we would be those people that require as a necessity the face of God, if we would need that every day, if we turn from our wicked ways, then we'll hear from heaven that God would forgive the sins of the people and heal um, our land. And they're verses that we're going to come back to over and over again. Um, So I'm sure in this room, I don't know all of you, I know some of you, but not all of you, that we've all had different journeys. I grew up in a household that wasn't particularly... Um, a faith household. I was brought up in the Catholic Church um, and I was christened into the Catholic Church, but it wasn't something that was talked about, you know, sort of God wasn't part of our everyday lives. We went to Catholic schools, they were the better schools in Birmingham, so you, were, you made sure you got your children into to Catholic schools. And I always grew up, I was so grateful for having that exposure, if you like, during those formative years of my life. Because I never doubted that there was God or that Jesus came to the earth. And I do think that's part of being around some really sincere-hearted Catholic people that actually believe this too. Um, So being around that. But in terms of my prayer life, um, I felt it was quite stuck um, and this, was my, this is my experience today. So I felt like it's quite stuck. So Catholics often um, use like rosary beads or things like that. So you repeat different prayers over and over. Um, you do things called penance. And I used to have to do a lot of penance, which is where you go and see the priest. You tell the priest what you've done wrong. Usually I went in with a list. And you'd come out with a list yourself of prayers that you would pray that would kind of mean that you'd be forgiven of those, of those things. You know, you however many Hail Marys and our fathers and and you're good and all I'll say is my penance took a bit of time on many occasions and there were times that I would lie about the sins I'd committed because I didn't want to tell the priest what I'd really done so I would just make up something I know some of you were horrified like woo but I would I think oh I'll go if I just say you know I was cheeky to my parents I I swore three times or something that sounded better than than what I'd been actually been up to um, but that was my understanding of prayer, that actually in relationship with God was that actually it was through a priest. And I had many priests over the years throughout my school life. I went to, even went to a Catholic sixth form college as well. So up to the age of 18, 
where, you know, sincere men, they're all men in the Catholic Church, but that had given their lives over to, to serve God. Um, but for me, it never brought me to a place where I understood I could have a relationship with God. I knew the priests could. Um, I knew that I could say those prayers. I'd hoped that one day I would get to heaven, but it wasn't quite, it didn't do what finding my faith in God did later on in my journey. So I prayed at that time, not really knowing the character of God. I hadn't read a Bible. Other than in an RE lesson at school, I hadn't really read a Bible. It's quite difficult to pray for God to help you or for God to do things for you if you don't know what he's like. Because actually I could be praying for something that's so contrary to the heart of God and to the will of God. Um, So I I didn't know. So I'd pray. One of my earliest memories of praying, and some of you will be horrified by this, was I'd been in an arcade, you know, like near the fair or whatever. I'd been in an arcade and I was praying that God would make the coins fall off so that I could win. <laughs> That's my earliest memory of prayer. Like, that is, and I remember walking back think, feeling really annoyed with God because I'd wasted all my money in the arcade and hadn't won. <laughs> and then, but that's, you know, actually... God probably doesn't want us gambling. He's probably not going to answer those prayers for me in that moment. But I didn't know what God was like. So actually, I could have been praying anything. And often for me growing up, prayer was something you did as a last resort. Okay, somebody's dying quick. We better get the priest in to pray with them. Or, you know, things have gone drastically, drastically wrong. Then we better pray. Kind of when you've done everything that you know to do, then, okay, we better ask God. We better ask God for help. And, um, yeah, at the age of 14, I went into a church kind of like this. The doors were open. There was noise coming from inside, and I walked in. And, actually, I went in. This is the truth. I'm sorry. I'm painting a really good picture. I'm a good person. Can I just say that? I'm a redeemed person now. But I went in with a friend. We're like, oh, I wonder what we can get out of going like into this building we were teenagers so we went in thinking oh we were going to nick the drink that was at the back of the hall like nick some of the snacks like take them with us and um and we went with that intention we did that um but the following week we're like should we go back my friend was called Noreen and um it's quite funny because my best friends at school were Noreen Nora Maureen (laughs) (laughs) who has friends called those names I had three of them (laughs) And, a lot, and I was around a very big Irish community in Birmingham, Catholic community, so some of those names, Nora, Maureen, Noreen, me and Noreen, we were at the back of the church, we kept going back. And every time we went back, we'd hear a message again, and something inside would just be saying, what? I've never heard this. You know, all these years of hearing stuff, but I've never heard this. This feels like truth. And I'd go home to my mum and tell her, and I said, Mum, you, you wouldn't believe what I heard today. I, heard, I remember one of the messages was about heaven. I'd never heard what a beautiful place heaven was before. I went home to my mum, who was not a Christian at all, and sort of saying, Mum, you won't believe it. Look at this. My mum would cry. She would absolutely just like cry her eyes out as um, I had this realisation of who God was. And then one evening, 
I'd been going for quite a while, every Friday, to this youth group. I responded to God. And I've had some wobbly bits along the way. I had some of my teenage years, my later teenage years, where I sort of turned away. But in that moment, something really authentic took place between me and God. That had never happened before. And that was a yes deep within my heart for him to come in, to come close. Actually, I wouldn't need to go through another person again. Actually, I would be able to just, in, in my room, on my journey home, would be able to call out to God, and I knew that he had heard me. Something changed on the inside. My sins had been forgiven. My sins had been forgiven. I wouldn't have to earn his love or acceptance. I was accepted in that moment, and it was absolutely precious. And, uh, and that changed my prayer life, of course, and, um, and it will yours. If that's not your experience yet, um, it will yours too. So I had this realization that prayer was not bargaining with God. Okay, God, you do this, then I'll do that. Um, it's not bossing God around. So we just tell God what he needs to do, give him some instructions. And I've been in prayer meetings where people really are instructing God on what he should do. And um, I do think... We probably need to get better at truly believing that God knows best. Okay? Um, it's not just asking God for stuff. I remember one of my friends saying to me, once I'd started on this journey with God, he said to me, Carla, God's not a vending machine. You can't just keep coming to him every time. And God's not a vending machine. But actually, it's true. He's not. We don't just come to him when we need something. Actually, he wants us to come as well to just to be, to be with him. He wants to meet our needs. He cares about us more than we could ever imagine. But actually, he's not just for, oh, right, I need this now. Right, I need that next. That's not a a good relationship, is it? Um, It's not wasting God's time. God's not, when he hears Carla come in to to pray to him or hears you, thinking, oh, no, here she is again. What have I got to listen to today? Actually, he wants that relationship with us. And, um, and it's not sitting in the corner humming or murmuring or like in some sort of yoga pose. That isn't what, that isn't what prayer is. So we're just going to have a little bit of a focus about what prayer is. And we're just going to go through some points and then we'll be done. All good? Okay, so number one, prayer is, it's talking to God. It's no grand language. <laughs> it isn't impressive words, and it doesn't have to be long-winded. Okay? Um, I'm so glad. I've been with some amazing prayers that sometimes, like we're in a prayer meeting and they start praying, I'm like looking at them like, <gasps> because their language is so theatrical and poetic and it's beautiful and probably really, really sincere too. But actually, God doesn't require us to sound like that to get his attention. We can sound just like we are. So that involves me with my bit of a Brummy accent, bit of a Portsmouth accent, coming into his presence saying, here I am. I give myself to you, God, today. This is stuff that's, that's hard. This is stuff where I just see your goodness at work. Thank you. Like, it sounds like we sound, and, um, and we don't have to sound any different. And it doesn't have to be long-winded. To make prayer good, you don't have to pray for three hours straight. Okay? Actually, we can just get to work. We, we have that conversation with God. So the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. After he'd been off praying in solitude, he'd been praying, he comes back and the disciples ask him. And we're going to read some verses in Matthew 6, which say, 
Matthew 6, verses 5 to 13, it's quite a long verse, but it says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on, as the, um, on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. So pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. These are the words of Jesus when asked by the disciples, how do we pray? We come approaching him as our father. We want all that's in heaven, all the freedom that's in heaven where there's no tears, no suffering, no pain. We want all of that here on the earth and we're coming into agreement with that. And then we want to have pure hearts, clean hearts. There's an element of reflection in these words where we say, forgive us our sins. You know, make us right in your presence, God. And then also we're going to forgive others of their sins. Brilliant, brilliant um, verses that we should get our head around. And actually, for a long time, I think I kind of avoided some of that prayer because it was so much part of my childhood and I would say, could almost run it off in three seconds flat and not mean it but actually pausing and reading the words <clears throat> and taking them to heart I think could really help us so number two prayer should be an honest conversation we don't have to pretend we don't have to pretend things are okay if they're not okay. Actually, if we're hurting or we haven't seen an answer that we wanted, it's okay to say that. Um, for a long time, I kind of felt I had to be super positive in God's presence, whereas inside, sometimes my heart was breaking that I hadn't seen things turn out the way I'd hoped. But actually, I've come to realize that God knows my pain, God knows my doubts. God knows the times when I'm questioning perhaps how he's and can handle it. So it's much, much healthier to just have an honest conversation. Ever talk to someone and you just think, oh, just say it like it is. <laughs> like, just spit it out. Say it like it is. We can, we can handle it. We're grown-ups and we can move on from it. And I think that we should be like that. We've got to be, say it like it is. There's times, this is hard. Actually, someone's been diagnosed with cancer. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But then also coming to God and knowing, you hate it, God. You hate this. You hate to see pain and suffering. And you hear the cries of your people. Your word tells us so clearly. So I think it should be an honest conversation between us and God. Um, three, prayer can take place anywhere. So in those verses, it says, take yourself off. You don't need to be on street corners shouting it for everyone to hear. Take yourself off. That's okay. It can be in that quiet place with the door closed. Um, but it can also be in your car on your way to work. It can be at the school, dates, school gates. It can be in those conversations with colleagues. The amount of times that I'm in meetings and I'm just silently praying 
praying about the situations and the things that um, I'm seeing. That I'm driving, I see someone on the side of the road, they don't look happy, I'm praying for them. The God of the universe knows and actually wants us in that communication with him um, where we, we're just constantly talking to him and we'll come, we'll come to that in a minute. Um, so yeah, it can take place anywhere. Jesus often took himself away, didn't he? We would see lots and lots of verses where he would take himself into the desert um, to have that time with God. And I think that's a really healthy thing to do, um, to, to pull away. There's a lot of distractions, aren't there, in terms of society and what life is like for us now. I mean, we've got a constant distraction that's hand size, isn't it, in our phone and devices that do everything. So you can have your day off work, it can be your, your day of rest or peace or whatever it is, but actually you can be getting emails, text messages, notifications on your social media, you know, text messages from friends, all that stuff, a really big distraction. And I think there's some real value in putting it down and stepping away from it. Yeah. Um, in Bible school, I got a bit confused about... Um, this sort of side of it and I got a little bit legalistic which meant I thought that if I didn't pull away every single day I used to get up at five o'clock to pray if I didn't do that it changed my relationship with God and actually it doesn't if I got up at five o'clock and prayed for two hours God loved me if I slept in turned up at breakfast and thanked God for my breakfast He loved me. And it was a journey that God had to take me on where I realized my worth didn't change. But actually my relationship with him would grow and develop if I took that time. So that's that's what we need to be mindful of and that. It's not about guilt. It's not about being religious with it. It's about relationship. And it's creating that opportunity for him to speak. Um, Number four, it's a relationship between our heart and the one who created it. And um, I just had this beautiful picture when I was preparing of Adam and Eve and God created them and then would turn up every night to walk with them, to walk with them, to talk with them, to communicate. And actually that's God's plan for us, to communicate, to know about our day, to hear about us, to be in that um, communication. And that to me is just so, so beautiful. That Actually, he didn't just create the world then like, okay, off you go. And then... That was it. Actually created Adam and Eve and then was in it, immersed in it with them, walking alongside them. And that is God's plan for us, to walk alongside us, um, to be with us in every situation. I've got a hair on me and I need to just... I'm not being weird. I am being weird. (laughs) But it's a hair. Okay? That's all it is. Right. Okay. We're getting there. Not too long left. Okay. So it's a relationship between our heart and the one that created it. Number five. Prayer can be silent and reflective. Now, you might notice I'm a bit of a chatterbox. I'm one of those more bubbly characters. I'm a bit of an extrovert. That is just how God created me. And this is an area I work with social workers. I work for children's services. Um, I work with families that are adopting children. That's my job. And social workers are the most reflective people I've ever met. So I don't know if you're a social worker in here. If you are, you're one of the most reflective people. They're constantly reflecting on their practice. It's a part of the work that we do. So all the time we'll be saying, so I've been reflecting on that conversation that I had with that family, and actually I think this, or I've been reflecting on this, and I think perhaps our work could change. They're very, very reflective. And it's made me, not only in my work practice, be a bit more reflective, but also 
in my relationship with God to reflect, to actually t- to pause, to pause for a minute, to reflect. Um, look at the psalmists. They're full of the reflections of various people, David and other people that wrote, wrote the psalms. They're, they're, they're psalms that say, search my heart, God. Search what's within me. You know, if there's anything offensive, sort it out in me, God. They're, they're, the, they're the heart cry of people throughout the psalms, of those that reflect. And there's loads of times where you might see the word selah throughout the psalms where it's saying, pause, wait a minute, think about it. And I think God wants to do some of that in us. You might be a great prayer. You get in there, you get it done. You pray, talk to God, you're on your way and you're about your business. But maybe God's saying to you, I want you to just pause, reflect. Um, Reflection allows us to kind of step back a little bit and look at the bigger picture. Things that we might miss God doing. And God just saying, look, I'm at work. I'm doing something. So it gives us those opportunities to just slow down. And um, Lamentations 3 verses 25 says, The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Um, It's good to wait quietly. And that's not that we're waiting to be saved. We're saved. We're right with God when we say that one simple prayer. But actually we're working out what salvation means, what relationship means, and what that might look like going forwards. Number six, prayer can be loud and authoritative. Uh, we've been given permission to speak to situations like mountains and tell them to move. Um, when I first started Bible school, I was barely saved, okay? So I'd, been, I'd, I'd, been, I'd made that decision for God, done all sorts of rebellious, yucky stuff in sort of between about 15 and 18. But as I said, that one encounter with God in that youth church had meant something. And I knew. So when I was out clubbing, doing all these things, I knew God had a call on my life. I knew it. And through me having that encounter, my mum had too. So my mum had this encounter. It changed the trajectory of my whole family. Both my sisters have become Christians. My mum... The children that my mum looks after, she's a foster carer, all being brought up in the ways of God because of me walking into a youth meeting at the age of 14 and then God's done work that's just gone much, much, much wider, which I love about God and he'll do that for you and in your family too. Um, Why did I say all of that? Yeah. Prayers can be loud and authoritative. Anyway, there's a time. <laughs> there's a time to be loud. Oh, I know why. I was thinking about Bible school. Yeah, so I just got to Bible school. I'd said to God, if you get me in to this Bible school, I will go. It's in Northern Ireland. However, I was just not living right. Even the weekend before, I'd been out clubbing, smoking, taking drugs, all this stuff. But I said, if you get me in, I'll go. So I went. I was in prayer meetings and I was swearing my head off at the devil. I didn't know you weren't supposed to. So I was like, this is my everyday language other than the prayer meeting. I won't, I'm not going to say it, don't worry. But I'm like walking, I'm praying those loud, authoritative prayers, and I'm telling the devil what he can do with his plan um, because I don't want it. I want to live for Jesus. And it was pure, you know what? It was pure, it was authentic in that moment. And do you know what I think God was doing? I just, I just picture God just going, come on, girl. Come on, girl, because actually I was a vessel then that was being formed by him. And I wasn't quite there yet. 
he had a work to do in me. I didn't know that that kind of language wasn't pleasing in the sight of God. And I wasn't using it to God. I was using it to the devil. And I thought, he deserved it. So, but, but prayer can be. It can be loud. It can be authoritative. It can be saying, no, this stops. This is not this cyclical stuff in our family stops with me. It's not carrying on anymore. Divorce in my family, it stops with me. No, thank you. You know, those kind of things. So I think actually we can be loud. We can be authoritative. That's okay. Um, there's a time for loud and it's not about just being loud or shouty. It's about sometimes just passion and zeal and being zealous for God. So we're nearly there. Number seven, It can be something we do together. I love that you have a prayer meeting. In our Portsmouth congregation, we've started meeting now on a Sunday at 10. We just do 15 minutes before our service together. It's changing our services. Um, And I've I've had a funny relationship with prayer meetings because I've been to some very boring ones. Um, I know you're all looking at me horrified, but I'm glad if you haven't. But I have been to some where it's been just one person, like, they, oh, it's been flat, there's been nothing, and I haven't really known what to do. So actually, I love it, though, when we get together with our passion, with the things that we're passionate about, our community, doing something for God, and we pray together. There's power in praying together, in, in agreeing with one another. So... um Yeah, so think about the disciples in the upper room. Um, And also Jesus saying to the disciples, he was just like, pray with me, watch for me. Um, You know, actually, that he knew that it wasn't, it's not just, oh, I can just go, I'm the son of God, I can just go to the Father. But he's saying, no, join me, pray. Um, There's importance in that, in praying together, in coming together. So Matthew 18, verse 20 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. I'm there, I'm in the midst of them. And I love that verse. I always think of it when we're praying. Um, he's with us, but he's there in the midst of us as we pray and as we seek his face. Number eight, prayer is something we should do every day. We should do it without ceasing, just like we said in the car um, when we're having those conversations, with, without ceasing. And I like doing things like with my children a lot two of them are getting quite big now but I like that that actually they they see me praying that actually they talk about something that's coming up and we're like right let's pray let's commit this to God we you know we see an ambulance going or we see a car accident we pray like actually it's such good practice to get into we need God involved in those situations and um and we have a responsibility I think as Christians to see and to, and to pray into those situations. So we should be doing it every day without ceasing. And um, 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 16 to 18 says, Always be joyful. Yes. <laughs> like that bit? <laughs> there's, there's times when uh, I need to read this a bit more. <laughs> Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you all who belong to Christ Jesus. Before I knew we were going to be starting this series already, and when I knew I was coming here, I wanted to talk about thankfulness, about having a grateful heart, because there's so much research out there, and not only just as Christians, but in the world of psychology about thankfulness, about gratitude, and how it can rewire our thinking. Do you know, that's not new. The psychologist didn't come up with it. God did. He says, renew your mind. Don't think about that stuff. Think about this. And um, I was going to talk about that, but we've got no time for that. So that's next time. That's next series, okay? (laughs) So we're going to pray. We're going to be praying without ceasing. Two more points. 
Number nine, prayer involves waiting and listening. Um, I spent a lot of my sort of younger years where my prayers would just be okay. I sit down, I say my prayers, I leave, not even expecting an answer. Um, Not even expecting, not even praying about specific situations, just sort of repeating prayers, not, not knowing that God would answer. But actually... The Bible clearly tells us, I love, 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 so many times when it says, and I heard the cry of my people, and I heard the cry of my people, and then it goes on to say what he had planned. Is it always in the timing that people expected? No. Is it always in the ways that we expected? No. But actually he heard the cry, and he had an answer in mind. He heard you praying for a worship team. He had them in mind already. Yep, yep, they're going to come, but they've got to come from here, from there, from there. And then you'll have them, and there you go. We give glory to God for his answer. He hears the cry. He hears your cry. He knows the things that move your heart, and they move his too. And sometimes we've got to get a bit better, I think, at waiting and listening. Um, Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you did not know. Anybody got some stuff that you just don't know? Okay. Then actually let's let's call to him and believe that he'll answer us and that actually that he will speak into situations in a way that only God can. And he has so, so many, so many times for me and probably for many of you seated in here today. Um, And final one, number 10. Prayer can involve tears. And groans. Did you know that? <laughs> it involved tears and groans. Anybody a good crier? Got any good criers? Yeah, a few, there's a few of us in here. A few of you are like, nope, <laughs> that's not me. I'm a good crier. I cry if I, I could have cried when I sat at the back and they were just practicing the, the worship. I had to make myself, like, make the tears get back in because I just was like, oh God, you answered. You had, you had it in mind. And there is something about, you know, you, you've done your best with what you had, but there's something about people being here in real time and being able to lead in the moment what God wants to do in that moment. And I think this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning, so um, yeah, I just absolutely love that. So it can involve tears. Sometimes I think our tears speak. It says that he keeps every one of our tears. One of the first words that somebody gave me actually was the dean of the Bible school that I would go to, and um, they did like a prayer thing where you would come forward to be prayed for, and I went forward and I was sobbing because I was living a double life, and he held my face. His name is Pierre. He's gone to glory now, but um, held my face, and he just went, God is catching every single one of those tears. They're precious to him. I remember thinking, oh, I thought they're just wasted. You know, emotion, guilt, shame, whatever they might have been. But no, but they were precious to God. But that's what the words said. That's amazing. It's beside the point, but it just is amazing. Um, so, but prayer can be expressed in those tears that we lament, that we cry, that we sob. Um, some of the things I see in society make me sob. Um, make me just cry out to God would you intervene would you do something in this generation would you bring about change and in groans too so there's two verses and then we are done so the Holy Spirit this is Romans 8 verse 26 it says the Holy the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness for example we don't know what to pray for 
Lots of times, isn't there? We don't know how to, how to pray for things. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Have you ever been praying and you're just like, oh, I don't know, I haven't got the words to pray. I'm just like, I have. Not, not loads of times, not all the time, but lots of times. And it's just been like, oh, I can feel it. I can feel just the heart of God for these people, for these situations. And it comes out in a bit of a groan. Um, and then Lamentations 3 verse 56 says, you heard me when I cried. Listen to my pleading. Hear my cry for help. Yes, you came and I, um, when I called you and you told me, do not fear. And this, you know, we can't just take these verses out of context. What they're to show is just the heart of God in response to people. You need to look at what that was, what that was all about. But I just love that, that actually people, when they can, might look at society or look at their community, that God answers and he says, I hear you. Do not fear. I think so many times that's his word to us. So just to finish off, I want to just encourage you to have a bit of a prayer audit. What is your prayer life like? What does it look like? And this today is just starting off a whole, this whole series. So there's going to be so much that you're going to just be picking up on and learning and hearing from different people. Um, it actually was quite difficult to not get ahead of, of myself doing it because there's so much to prayer but actually this is just just starting us off so I want you to do a bit of a prayer audit ask yourself honestly do some of that reflection how am I doing and how could I grow in this area um and I just want to read one verse have I got time to do it really quickly Philippians 4 here it is I'm just gonna get my phone I just added this I forgot I just want to end with this verse, and then I've just got some homework. Anyone like to do some homework? (laughs) Oh, you're such a little teacher's pet on the front, Sandy. (laughs) I love it, Sandy, straight in there, like, yep, I'll do it. Other people are like, I'm not going to commit until I know what it is, and that's fine. That's fine. So Philippians 4, hold on a minute, it's just loading, I think. I'm doing the Passion Translation just for this verse, although it's not, it's not loading at the minute, but that's fine. Oh, I might just have to read it out of the NLT. You got it? Thank you. Okay, so this is just some verses to you. And this is it's a passion translation. People have different views about it, but I like it alongside other translations, okay? So just to, to put that out there, it's good because it just brings a bit more context sometimes or elaborates a little bit. But it says this, and it's just I want to leave you with these words this week. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real and honourable and admirable and beautiful and respectful and pure and holy and merciful and kind and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God. Praise in him always how amazing are those verses <laughs> like if, if you're going to take anything away from that de- today take those words and put them into practice this week and you will not go wrong um 
two other minor points. One of them, so this is the homework, um, is to listen to a song called Don't Give Up On Me by Brandon Lake. Okay? Just when I was driving here today, it just happened to come on on my Spotify playlist, and some of the words are, open your heart, open your hands, open your eyelids, I've got more dreams, I've got more plans, I've got more blessings, don't lose hope, and don't lose faith. Beautiful, beautiful song. So have a little listen to that. Read those verses in Philippians, and also, if you want to sort of journey even more in terms of your prayer journey, there's a great book, I've just finished it, called God on Mute by Peter Gregg. Absolutely amazing. God on mute, Peter Gregg, um, will just take you to um, a wonderful, wonderful place. It's when God doesn't answer in the way that we'd expect, but it's a wonderful book. So, can I pray for you? Is that all right? You've been really good listeners. Thank you. I know you, there's nowhere to hide when there's uh, when we're fewer in number. So, so thank you. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we just come to you and know that each and every one of us is known by you, created by you with a plan and purpose before we took a breath every day of our life mapped out. Um, And Father, we're just so grateful that your word tells us that you go before us, that you're behind us, that you're on every side, that your hand of blessing rests upon us. And I pray that over every person in here today. As we just commit ourselves to this journey ahead in our relationship with you, I pray you take us to places that just would exceed our expectations, that you would be our teacher and that you would, um, yeah, just build into us all that we need to make this relationship the best it can be while we're on this earth that we would seek to know you that we would grow in our love for you and our understanding of all that you are and father i thank you for every prayer that we've prayed that you have heard it and whether we've seen you answer or not we thank you that you've heard it and that you are at work that you are not idle that you are not lazy that you are not sleeping but that you have a plan and that you are at work so father we put our trust in you we put our faith in you and we thank you we thank you for the work started in each and every one of us here and we thank you that you will bring it to completion for your glory in jesus name amen And um, if you are here today and actually you haven't had that introduction to Jesus like I talked about when I was a teenager, please come talk to me. I'm going to be around for a little bit, have a cup of tea. Um, I'd love to chat with you about that and pray with you. All right. Thank you.